Hello and welcome to this KWM podcast. I'm Antonella Pachiti, a partner in the M&A practice, and I'm joined by our resident competition gurus, Simon Cook and Christopher Cock today. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the many lands on which we work across the KWM network, including the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation, on whose land I am so fortunate to be recording my contribution to this podcast today. I pay tribute and all my respects to their elders and their continuing connection to land, seas and story, and to all First Nations people who are listening to our podcast today. Now, throughout this edition of M&A in the City, the concept of regulatory headwinds has popped up a few times, and it's certainly something that has been critical in our ability to steer our clients through their most complex and compelling cross-border transaction objectives of late. Um, And what's been making the headlines recently are the proposed merger reforms. Simon Cook, can you give our listeners at a high level if you can, a snap of what Australia's Competition and Consumer Commission is looking to pursue. Sure, Antonella. And first of all, thank you very much for the invite. It's a privilege to uh, for Chris and I to be able to come on the uh, M&A in the City podcast. Um, the short story is that uh, the most recent update, and it feels like competition law is never far from the headlines, but the most recent update is we've got a Treasury consultation paper talking about merger reform. There's a number of options in the reform which we can talk about, but essentially one of the options is repeating what the ACCC has previously asked for, and many of our listeners might have heard of it before. Uh, The Commission is looking to overhaul the current merger clearance test. Um, As you may know, most of um, the transactions in Australia are cleared via a voluntary merger clearance regime. The ACCC is looking to remove that regime and replace it with a mandatory and suspensory one. The actual has been vocal uh, in expressing that the existing voluntary system of merger notification is not as effective as it could be. And so uh, in, in result of that, they have put out a uh, consultation paper which Treasury are saying we want um, comments on. Uh, it, it would overhaul, if the actual C was successful, it would overhaul both the um, merger test and the clearance process. Um, essentially, you would have a regime where if mergers hit the notification threshold, whatever that is ultimately set at, you would have to notify. The Commission would get to decide under a revised test and you would not be able to complete unless and until the Commission gave you clearance. That's very interesting, Simon. And it's being touted that um, the proposals of our relatively new HCC Chair Gina Cascotlieb are consistent with those of the previous head of the HCC, Rod Sims. So when did Mr Sims first outline his vision for merger control? Thanks, Antonella. I think Rod Sims first publicly outlined his vision in around August 2021, and that was during a speech at the Annual Law Council of Australia's Competition and Consumer Workshop. Now, merger reform has been on the agenda in Australia for some time prior to this, but the proposal outlined in August 21 really kicked off the debate in earnest. What has since been put forward by Gina, um, most notably, I think it was in about April 23, uh, uh, when she was addressed in the National Press Club, is largely consistent with the initial proposal, subject to a few adjusted elements following shareholder feedback. 
Another interesting element to add what Simon shared is, is the commentary that we're seeing around these proposed merger reforms um, really bringing Australia into line with other jurisdictions across the globe. Um, Simon mentioned the fact that at the moment we are voluntary non suspension but this will shift us into that mandatory and suspensory environment, similar to the majority of jurisdictions globally. And in essence, what this will mean is that if it's mandatory for parties, it will be mandatory for parties to notify if their respective transactions meet certain thresholds, um, then they cannot proceed or complete until they receive the green light to do so. Now, I have no doubt that those thresholds will be hotly discussed and hotly debated, um, but they normally will involve a transaction value or a party's turnover or assets. All in all, I think the position put forward by the ACCC is that they feel there is solid ground to call for this reform. In short, the current system is no longer fit for purpose, and it is now seeking tools to take on, I think, an even more active role within transactions and the M&A transaction space. Oh, fantastic, Chris. Thank you. So um, almost as if we planned it, on the Monday before we are recording this podcast, and as Simon mentioned, Treasury released their consultation paper on these reforms. So, Simon, what are you thinking we'll see come out of that consultation? Yeah, good question, Antonella. And, yes, it's as if they timed it perfectly for the podcast. I'm very grateful to Treasury for that. Um, as I mentioned, currently... Merger parties, there's two options um, if you want to get a competition clearance, and both of them are voluntary, um, you, but you can uh, seek what we call informal merger clearance, or you can go for merger authorisation, which is the statutory test. And we've seen an uptick in the number of um, merger authorisations recently. It's not a well-worn path, though, and the overwhelming majority of merger clearances go via the voluntary uh, informal merger clearance system. In fact, according to that Treasury paper, about 330 Mergers are assessed by the ACCC every year on average um, for the last 10 years. So, as I said, the consultation paper, we've got three options for replacing the existing informal merger clearance regime. Uh, that each proposed changes to the way we notify um, and the test that was applied. Um, in particular, if we're talking about the legal test, the consultation paper discusses three separate options for uh, changes to how we assess mergers under the Competition and Consumer Act. But actually, although there are options, the ACCC in its original proposal actually wanted all three of these changes. So very briefly, um, option, the first part is they want to amend the merger factors, as we call them. Currently, there's a list of um, factors in Section 50, Subsection 3, uh, which um, provide an inclusive list of indicia that uh, the ACCC needs to take into account in assessing a merger, and so does the court. Uh, the ACCC wants to amend these slightly, uh, clarify some of them, and add a couple of extra ones, including one around creeping acquisitions, which we might talk about in a bit. Secondly, they want to expand the prohibition to be one where substantial listening of competition will include a merger that entrenches, materially increases, or materially extends the position of substantial market power. That would be a big change if it came in, um, and we can talk a bit about what it might mean. Option three, as they're calling it, uh, the ACCC describes this as a housekeeping amendment in their original uh, paper back in uh, April th this year. I think it's a bit more than that, but essentially what it would mean is allow the merger 
clearance process to give consideration to related agreements between the merger parties. So things like non-compete agreements or uh, vertical arrangements between them could be considered as part of the overall uh, assessment of the effect on competition. So you asked me what was going to happen next. Well, all of the options would need legislative change. And so the consultation paper with um, is calling for submissions, which are due um, a bit unsociably by about uh, mid-January. But um, you can imagine, as Chris said, this will be a hotly uh, considered regime and a lot of competition lawyers are going to spend their summer reading uh, delving into the intricacies of uh, foreign merger clearance regimes and what would be best for Australia. I think the timeframe for implementation of any reforms is probably 12 to 18 months at best. There's a long way to play out. Uh, interesting stuff, Simon. So I guess that means a bit of um, ongoing uncertainty. Chris, important question for all the M&A fans out there. What impact is that going to have on deal flow, do we think? My sense is while the consultation process is ongoing, I don't think there'll be too much of a direct impact, Antonella. I think merger reform is not new and there are a number of other political, economic and, as you say, sort of a general sense of uncertainty that that has and I think will likely continue to impact deal flow. You know, at this point in time, and I don't think it's all down to that end of year feeling, but my sense is that the general environment at the moment feels feels harder, feels harder than it, it has been for, for some time. Let's think about that. I mean, we make hard look easy over here at KWM. So I'm a bit intrigued about that comment, Chris. Can you expand a little bit more about that that sort of yeah, sure. Indeed. Um, a couple of examples, I think. So in terms of the change in environment uh, with, with ACCC engagement, I think one of the things that we're seeing is much longer timeframes to review the number of acquisitions be, being assessed. And you know, th this might be down to resourcing or the ACCC using you know, certain delay tactics for informal processes. Either way, I think timing is becoming central and often an issue to most transactions. And that's irrespective of the competition effects arising out of those deals. The ACCC is seeking far more documents upfront and throughout the review of their of, of transactions. And that's often through the dreaded mandatory section 155 notice. Um, again, leading to longer, longer engagements and just general timing. And you know, there's always, in, in my experience, a ramp up of these 155 notices at this time of the year. But even saying that, this feels like a little bit more than, than usual. And then picking up on, on a point Simon mentioned earlier on creeping acquisitions, that's clearly now a focus for the ACCC. Um, creeping acquisitions, are, they're not new. They've been around for a while and they're directly raised in, in the consultation payment uh, paper Sorry, and, and it's something the ACCC is more actively focusing on in recent, in recent times. So we're, we're thinking that time kills deals, as many a banker has said, Chris, but let's, let's talk about the comfort of precedent. So have you got any deals that you can talk about where some of those factors have played out in recent times? Yeah, I think the one that immediately comes to mind is the ANZ Suncorp transaction. And you know, as the listeners would know, that saw ANZ seek merger authorisation, so not that informal process that Simon mentioned earlier from the ACCC in relation to the acquisition of Suncorp Bank. And that really kicked off a roughly seven, if we're being generous, seven month investigation period, um, after which the ACCC concluded not to grant merger authorization on the basis that 
they were not satisfied that there was no likely substantial lessening of competition in a number of markets. I think there were three that they called out, um, home loans, SME banking in Queensland and agribusiness banking in Queensland. And importantly, that the proposed public benefits did not outweigh those competitive detriments. It is worth noting that that case is currently on review before the competition tribunal. And what it really did, it clearly highlighted this higher bar involved in positively satisfying the ACCC that a transaction does not lead to a substantial lesser of competition. And I guess, Chris, it probably gives us a bit of an indication as to what we might learn in our own interactions with the ACCC and how we can better our our client outcomes and, and, you know, get that very timely review. If you were going to pick out some learnings from that particular example, what, what yep. would you focus attention on? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a couple of things. Um, firstly, and you know, without stating the obvious, st- strategy is critical. And the importance of positioning yourself for the fight, particularly in transactions that may give rise to competition law concerns, um, you know, that process has never been more important and we you know when when going into a deal we need to think about mapping out the long game up front consider things like black hat reviews test all aspects of the transaction and really workshop arguments um and and link to that is focusing on the narrative so it, it's important to identify the core narrative and case theory early on and it may be you know better to lose that second line argument there's no I need to throw the kitchen sink at everything. It's about being selective and about being strategic. And you know, getting to a no from the ACCC, the authorization process may deliver in some, some situations greater transparency and time uncertainty for some no deals. Um, and it also highlights that the manner in which you approach the ACCC and the importance of getting that right, going back to that difference between the formal and the, the informal process. And I guess my last call out, Antonella, is probably a standard request from all competition lawyers, but internal documents, um, critical and what they say. And even if whatever you say in those internal documents are never is not never is, is never implemented, they're a critical source of evidence. Um, and it's vital for, for companies to focus on appropriate framing of those internal documents, especially when assessing potential options or other buyers or sellers in, in a potential transaction. So a lot to learn, but those are probably the key call outs. Absolutely, Chris. And I think if we're talking about that long game and mapping it, being planful from the get-go and considered and informed as you go is is absolutely critical. And I guess, Simon, it would be great to hear your reflections and insights too. So what what comes to mind for you in in terms of recent transactions and, and how it's played out with the ACCC? Yeah, thanks, Antonella. I think uh, the other one of, of recent note that's got a lot of the headlines is the Brookfield and Origin transaction, um, which went down the statutory authorisation um, pathway and was successful. Um, I think that is a really good illustration of the type of planning and um, meticulous and deep strategic thinking that would need to go into a transaction, particularly where the parties were starting from a position where they knew that it's almost an article of faith in competition law that generation assets and um, uh, distribution and transmission assets in the electricity markets should be kept separate um, for very um, clear and long articulated reasons. And so you look at what Brookfield and Origin did, they assessed that the um, authorisation pathway was the one to go down because they were looking at public benefits 
um, and obviously public benefit is critical. Um, there's a lot of pain that went into that, but I think you can also see um, a lot of thinking went into anticipating where the concerns would come from, both from the C and from the um, stakeholders who were consulting on the, on the authorisation process. And remember, authorisation is very public um, as opposed to informal clearance where there's less transparency. Um, they very clearly flexed, uh, and I think they're well prepared to do so when the Commission raised concerns with their initial undertaking as part of the um, transaction. Uh, the parties realised that the Commission weren't confident um, that the undertaking they originally offered around separating and ring fencing the Osnet business, which was the key transition, transmission business, wasn't strong enough. Um, they went back, um, provided more evidence, provided relied on economic experts, but also provided an updated and more detailed set of undertakings. And I think that represented a really well thought out um, and planned process. But ultimately also, they didn't do what I think a lot of people have done in authorisation, which is sort of think of public benefits as a bit of an afterthought. You go for it and say, well, we're arguing that we, we're not um, uh, going to fall over on the competition test. This, this transaction doesn't lessen competition. But I think both the TPG and the, and, uh, the Suncorp case have shown uh, it's a hard test. And a merger authorisation, the ACCC has to be not satisfied. Oh, it has to be satisfied, I'm sorry. Um, they weren't satisfied that this transaction, Brookfield Origin, wasn't going to lessen competition, but they were comfortable on the public benefits. And they were very significant public benefits. And Brookfield Origin were able to put uh, real meat on the bones. And the Commission was very clear in, their, in announcing their decision. They were um, uh, doing so and clearing the deal on the basis of the very uh, extensive public benefits around energy transition, um, which I think we can all agree are pretty important um, for the future. I think, Adanella, um, one thing that's really uh, the Brookfield and Origin transaction highlights, but also going back to Chris's point around some of the, uh, the, the sense at the moment that things are a bit more difficult, um, I think it's a bit of a timely a process that the Treasury consultation paper has come out to ask about informal clearance because we've certainly seen in a number of transactions now um, the ACCC using the informal merger clearance process and using parts of it that um, don't really work well for certain parties. Um, timing, for example, we don't have any set timeframes under informal merger clearance and things can be delayed. If you're in a competitive bid process uh, and you can't get certainty around when you're going to get clearance, that makes it very hard to continue, especially if, you've got, if there's another bidder sitting there. Um, one last thing to note also in the recent um, uh, opposition to Transurban's proposed acquisition of the Eastlink toll road, um, you can see the Commission said very clearly that they were concerned about the New South Wales, oh, I'm sorry, the Victorian Government put out a, um, uh, said that gave them um, submission that said they had concerns about it. Not clear what those concerns were exactly, um, but also in their final decision, interestingly, the Commission's media release, um, we, we don't have a public competition assessment for that one yet, but the media release said entrenching um, yeah, twice in the media release. And entrenching is not part of the legal test yet, but uh, no surprise, it's um, popped up very clearly in their proposal for changing the law. So. Uh, I think all of it really rams home the fact that for parties that who have a transaction where you think uh, either the ACCC or potentially even another stakeholder is going to have concerns, really emphasising what Chris said, there's a lot of 
strategy and forethought and planning that should go into a merger clearance process, whichever way you go. Noting that, depending on when you go, the law might have changed. Thank you very much indeed, Simon and Chris, um, both of you very much on the pulse of these merger reforms. It's a critical part of uh, our M&A offering to have our competition gurus alongside us uh, supporting the formulation of strategy and implementing the most complex deals as uh, the three of us have enjoyed doing uh, over the past year or so. So thank you again for taking the time out from the very busy practices that you both have to speak to the M&A in the City podcast today. Um, lots more to come in merger reform in 2024. Some light reading for you both uh, over the summer break, which is the perfect place for it. Um, and of course, for our listeners, you know where to find further updates on merger reform and everything else on all your favourite KWM platforms, whether it's M&A in the City or I'm sure our competition offerings as well. And thank you again for listening. Mm-hmm.